This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selkie, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, and we have an amazing guest with us here today, Miss Barbara Falkenberry. Welcome, Barbara. Hey, it's great to be with you. I'm excited to dive in. Before we get into the questions, though, because we'll get totally derailed because I'm excited about our conversation today, I just want to give a quick bio of Barbara because she has a very, very impressive and expansive background. Um, Barbara has been a, is a senior executive with significant and diverse accomplishments, which I think is just fascinating, across sectors ranging from aerospace defense to transportation and logistics to executive leadership development. And her experience includes strategic planning, internet national negotiations, risk assessment, governmental affairs, leadership development and succession planning, and supply chain management. Um, Barbara's an independent director of a public company chairing the Technology Committee and a National Association of Corporate Directors Leadership Fellow. She has extensive global experience in the Pacific, Africa, Latin America, and Middle East. Barbara has led organizations as diverse as 37,000 person global air logistics operation to the Air Force's sole leadership development college for officers. In 2014, Barbara retired from the United States Air Force as a major general with two stars after a 32-year career, finishing in the top 150 leaders of a 320,000-person global organization. An accomplished athlete herself, Barbara brings success and teamwork into the boardroom. Her highlights include being the 12-time All-Armed Forces Racquetball Champion in ultra-endurance biking and triathlon events and hiking the, this is my favorite, and hiking the 500-mile Camino de Santiago in Spain. She brings a positive outlook, keen communication skills, and success despite adversity, collaboration and teamwork into all her activities. Barbara, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Okay, before we go any further, two of the biggest highlights from your experience on the Camino. And for those of you who don't know what the Camino is, Barbara, give us a, a quick overview of what that incredible experience is. So it's a journey. Uh, it, most people hike or walk um, across Spain with the destination being Camino uh, Santiago de Compostela, a, a city on the northwest part of, of Spain. And it's, um, it's known as a, a spiritual journey, a reflective journey, and people from all over the world come to, to take this journey. So uh, what is really neat about it is the moments that you have with people mm -hmm. across the world. Um, and one moment I'll, I'll give you a, a, a guy, his name is Carlos from Mexico City, and Carlos um, was a devout uh guy and um he took the pyrenees um hike when you were supposed to stay lower in the pyrenees because the weather it was end of march um he got stuck and had to start to burn his bible uh which was horrific for him wow but he said i started with the old testament and uh so he he just every day he would walk with purpose and um 
that at the very beginning of the journey, it's very close to France, uh, really colored his um, his experience by making him enjoy every day, and as we all did. So that was Carlos is one guy who sticks out with me, and then Aaron is another beautiful woman who was uh, processing going through a divorce. Okay, and um, had taken this to be a journey of forgiveness. Mm. And we walked with Aaron quite a bit, but each of us carry our own baggage and, and, um, thoughts with us that we want to some let go of and, and some expand and, uh, and really explore yourself deeply. And that's what I've done on my, uh, my journeys there. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. So I w- Barbara and I were talking prior to the start of this recording, and, and I had the opportunity to do a small portion of that. But again, for those of you that have never heard of the Camino of Santiago, uh, there's a movie out on it. And so I'll put that in the episode notes for you. There's books out on it, but definitely do some research because a very transformational life experience wherever you are in, in your journey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, that is a very deep way to start our leadership conversation <laughs> here with Barbara today. But as you can tell, just expansive background, again, predominantly um, in the armed forces and the Air Force and your leadership there, but now serving on boards across the country. And, and that's just an incredible, you know, this is going to be an incredible opportunity for us to learn from you as being a leader in all of these spaces. And also, we're going to look at the dynamic of being a female leader in these spaces. But to get us started, Barbara, can you just share about your general leadership philosophy and maybe two examples of your leadership philosophy in action? Sure. Um, I would like to think I am a caring and committed leader who, um, who leads with integrity and purpose, and I'm driven by excellence. So if you, if you break that down, um, at which we, we will over the course of the, of the time, but I, I'll just talk about caring. Mm-hmm. And committed to excellence for a second with a with a little story. Um, one of my positions in the military was called a wing commander, and the, this was at Scott Air Force Base. Um, and you're basically the mayor of the city of the base, okay, and the CEO of the mission. And so um, it was one morning early, and we were doing some road construction on the base which is a significant emotional event for people who come and go to work. Um, But I was out driving and I had a specially marked car that kind of was the showed that I was the wing commander. And I saw um, a vehicle and I saw it take a couple wrong turns and and I could just tell it was lost because again, we had some road construction. So I pulled up and I, and I went to the window of the, of the car and I said, can I help you? And it was an older couple. And they said, yeah, we're, we're trying to find the exit. Um, but I could tell that the gentleman who was driving was, there was something wrong. Okay. And uh, so I said, um, you know, I'll, I'll show you the, the exit. But I, I said, I, can I help you in any other way? And he said, um, I just left my son who's deploying tomorrow mm. and um, I'm concerned about my son and his family left behind. 
And so, you know, it really struck me. And I touched him on the arm and I said, your son is going to make you in this nation proud by going off and doing his duty. And I can tell you, I've trained him well and he'll be fine. Wow. I, I didn't know his son. I, I hadn't actually trained him, but I had led the people who trained him. And we have, I know we provided him with all the skills he needed to do what he needed to do and to come home safely. And so um, that, I think my caring came through to dad and mom, and I hope they were, I think they were reassured. Um, But my commitment to excellence Mm -hmm. and knowing how important it is every day to provide the skills that are needed um, was, you know, was reinforced to me because mom and dad want them to come home. So uh, that's important. That's incredibly important. And I think that, again, I mean, what I hear also in that is just a deep sense of responsibility and accountability that you took on even by saying that. I mean, the confidence that you have in your leadership ability to the and and you're like leadership removed, right? So you're leading the leaders Mm -hmm. that are leading this young man. And yet you've got the sense of confidence in 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 what you've done and the systems that you've put in place that you can say that face literally face to face, eyeball, eyeball to mom and dad. I mean, they're There's Mm -hmm. few leaders, I think, out there that really are close enough to their daily activities to have the type of confidence that I think you emitted Mm -hmm. in that in that dialogue Um, and deep emotional connection to your work Mm -hmm. and to your people that you you felt confident to say that. That's powerful, Barbara. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. Sure. Um, Just another one I thought of um, was was September 12th, 2001. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, our nation had been attacked. And I, uh, like a lot of people around the country, I just felt like I'd been gut punched. I I was gasping for air. I just, you know, this was hard to comprehend what had happened. And, uh, And I felt a greater sense of responsibility because I'm in the military, you know, couldn't we have prevented that? Yeah. Uh, you know, a, an enemy attacked our shores. And so um, I, the whole unit was obviously, everybody was stunned. Uh, so the, on the 12th, I brought, I invited the spouses of the unit of the people that were in the organization um, to come and to talk. And so lots and lots of people came because they were all obviously worried for our, you know, our nation, their own security. Um, And um, we had a special operations mission. So we were air refueling. So we just give gas to other people, but we needed to support special operations. And I knew that very soon this organization was going to be asked to deploy 
and to do a lot of hard things. And the spouses were going to have to understand that. And so one, having the meeting and taking the time out of, we had gone to 12 hour shifts, which really means about a 14 hour day. And, and then that this was later, it, it just, the, the fatigue and the concern was clear on my face and theirs, but to take the time to talk to them and steal their soul for the difficulties that were going to come ahead um, was just another example, I think, of being committed to a purpose. And you've got to convey that purpose because all of them were willing to basically give up their loved one for a greater good. They clearly understood the greater good, knowing how much that would personally hurt them. Yeah. But they understood so I think um, it helps people to understand the purpose and to, to buy into your purpose. If they don't, they're not going to sacrifice. They're not going to – they're not – it will be about them. But instead, it was about that greater purpose. So I can just imagine the types of emotion that entered that room on that evening mm-hmm. or that afternoon. How did you see that emotion shift over the course of the dialogue and conversation that you had with those people, you ha- you just had a powerful phrase, steal their soul. How did you see that evolve from the emotion that entered the room to the commitment that walked out of that room? Well, if, if you think about the initial feeling that we, we all in, in the nation had, yep. we were dazed, we were confused, we were, our souls were ached. I mean... Yeah. It's just, it's hard to describe and, and, uh, and a very difficult memory. Um, but if you can, I'll say attack the problem. Yep. If you can go on offense and feel like what you are going to do is going to make a difference and in their minds make them safer, help the nation be safer, then that's that's worth that, that self-sacrifice. And so I think they left one reassured to know they just wanted to have information. So they enjoyed the community of getting together and empathizing, you know, amongst the the group, they made connections bonds in that room Mm -hmm. that would help them over the next few days, maybe met a new friend and next months and years. Um, and then they um, underst- understood a broad plan. There weren't details at the time, but they understood a broad plan that they could get behind. So I think those things were all reassuring to them as a citizen and as a spouse. Yeah, that that's powerful. And I think sometimes, you know, leaders forget the the importance of relationships and the journey on on hard missions, you know, and it's all about well, here's the data, here's the objectives, here's what we're after. Um, but 
the human brain is wired to connect and literally connection with other humans sends different hormonal responses through our bodies. We actually know that serotonin is released when we're in the presence of other people and serotonin, Mm -hmm. you know, it's known as the cuddle hormone, right? But it also creates a a barrier around the heart to help create uh, um, strength Mm -hmm. in the heart toward heart disease. And and so when our people Mm -hmm. are going out to try to execute very difficult tasks and objectives, making sure that their bodies and minds and emotions are in the right place, to your point, go after to sacrifice, often for greater good than their own self-interest, is is an important factor that I think we can't lose sight of. And so I think that's an incredible example of seeing that in action in a literally a a potentially life and death and also amid, you know, crisis in in our Mm -hmm. nation. So, wow. Um, do you have any other key moments um, throughout the course of your journey that you believed have shaped who you are and how you lead today? Um, well, maybe one I can, I can relate. Um, but, and I, most of my experiences are from the military. They, uh, uh, but I have a few others from the boardroom. But, but um, so I... I was in training. Um, I was mid-level person, but still senior to almost everybody uh, in this training environment. But I was a student. So I'm, you know, I've got that role of student, not the leader. Uh, So it was just a briefing. And and, um, we sat around the briefing room. I sat towards the back. And um, a guy came in. It was a group of guys that came in a little later, right before the, it was going to start, and they found some open seats right next to me. And as they sat down, they were young and enlisted. Um, and I could tell they worked on the flight line because you can smell them. Uh, they smell like uh, JP8 gasoline and, and the fingers were dirty. And so um, this guy sat down and as he looked at me and I was of more senior rank, he goes, she, you know, why did I have to sit by her? You know, I don't want to <laughs> sit by something like that. But anyway, he sat there and I mean, he was smelly and he was dirty and he was just a, just a plain crew chief, which means someone who works with airplanes. And, um, so this was a, a safety meeting and we often say our safety, uh, rules are written in blood because people messed up and did things wrong to have bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And then we write about it. So the rest of us don't do the bad things. So this was one of those safety meetings. And, um, and in the meeting, the, the leader up front said that there had been this heroic action. And as he began to talk about this hero, he called up the guy next to me, the smelly, dirty, you know, young enlisted, guy and he got up and he went to the front of the room and he got a metal pinned on his chest and what he had done was at his prior assignment in an aircraft start situation there had been a fire and so there's a there is a um, fire hydrant that is available but the professionals are the fire department and, okay. and they are called and they're supposed to come. But this crew chief, rather than running away from the fire and the pilot, it was a fighter aircraft, so it's a single pilot in the seat. Instead, he ran to the fire mm. 
he brought because the pilot can't get out. He's he's high in the aircraft. He'd have to have to. I mean, there is a way to get out, but it's going to be painful. Uh, so he brought up the stairs going towards the fire, and so you know, I'm I am sitting next to a hero, and the thing that that taught me is there are heroes in our midst, <laughs> and learn people's story because. If you just look at him and his his nails, he's dirty and he's smelly, right? Well, he's a hero. And it doesn't matter what he looks like. And and his rank is low, but he saves someone's life. So the, the thing that really brought home to me is take the time to know those around you. And... You know, understand, you can be walking amongst heroes, but if you don't know, you don't take the time, you just might think he's a smelly crew chief with dirt under his fingernails. So I think that has resonated with me to try to under, get, get to know everyone at least a little bit so you can uncover the treasures that they bring or perhaps the stories that have created the person that they are now. Well, you know what I love about that, too, is sometimes even if you don't learn the story, but if you walk in with the understanding that everybody in this room could be a hero, right, that shifts, I think, how we intersect with other people. You know, when we approach them with not an attention on the smell or the dirt under their nails, but with attention on wow, they could have just saved somebody's life, right? Or yeah. they could have the next solution to the biggest problem in our manufacturing plant right now. Or they exactly. might come out to be the star in our championship game, right? A or in a game that really matters. And so the thing that we know from a brain science standpoint, and I talk about this a lot, but the, the brain and the heart both give off electromagnetic energy. But the heart actually gives off two times more than the brain and can radiate off of us up to 10 feet and so if in your heart you understand that everybody in my organization matters and they too could be the next answer to our biggest problem or the next hero or the next solution, then how our heart, right, the, just the energy we're giving off as we are around our people changes, right? Absolutely. Which then I think shifts their desire to follow, right? And to get committed to the mission and the vision and the strategic yeah. objectives that we're after. I think that leads us well into then this next question of, you know, when you think of the concept of commit to standards of excellence, what does that mean to you as a leader in the various spaces in which you've served? Well, you know, it's, it's commitment to those standards. <clears throat> and it, one, you need to know the standards. Uh, you need to know what the commitment is. And uh, most of us are part of an organization uh, and, and I'll, again, I'll talk about my part. I, I joined an organization whose standards were integrity, excellence, and service. And so understanding what that really meant to us as a larger organization and then me personally. Mm -hmm. And then committing to those. And in, in this profession, if you couldn't, commit to integrity, quite frankly, we didn't want you on the team. 
um, if you weren't uh, committed to excellence, it was clear. You know, people can just look at you. In what ways? Like, for, what, what could you tell? Well, I really think it's very, very clear. Um, and I'm going to combine that with service. Okay. And so uh, integrity, excellence, and service. But I can intuitively tell if you are committed to a purpose higher than yourself in this business and if you're willing to um, self-sacrifice or or subordinate your own desires to the team, mm-hmm. if you are only looking out for you, and I and I served with those kinds of people, I I could tell, and it is not an attribute for self, you know, um, uh, promotion. It is not an attribute that people want to self-sacrifice for your self-promotion. I can't get behind making you um, get promoted or you on your next thing, but I can get behind your vision for the organization and think that I'm an important part of that organization and it matters. That's that's So that's what I mean. Why And why do you think this leadership principle is so important in driving results? You sort of touched on that, but clarify that a little bit more in connecting, again, this standard of – or committing to standards of excellence with driving strategic objectives and results. So I think – integrity, let's use that one. Okay. That creates a bond amongst people that I can trust you and your word is your bond, and so I am able to uh, – Take what you say at face value. Um, and so it's important to create a, create a bond. Excellence is, a, um, is an attribute that kind of defines the organization and how, how it is. And quite frankly, mediocrity, you know, I don't, I don't really want to associate my name with it. Yeah. I don't want to, to self-sacrifice for mediocrity. And so that... That is an inspirational attribute. And then service, I think it really just goes back to to uh, driving you to higher goals um, and not it, – it might take you and your um, promotion along with it because of your excellence, but it's not about that. It's right. about really being committed to that higher higher calling. What are some ways that you found effective in trying to stimulate those people that might struggle with that element of self-sacrifice for the greater mission? How have you how have you dealt with that in a leadership capacity? Well, I think it's important to communicate because how how would you expect people to get behind something if they don't know what that something is? Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's not clear and communicated um that's step one and and reinforced because you can't you know say something one time and expect people to internalize it so it's not a it's not an on-off switch um because they're checking you out as a leader and you know are you one that they're willing to to uh to sacrifice for. And so that I think understanding the purpose, communicating it, reinforcing it, 
is important. Um, if you do find people that are kind of, let's say, falling short of the standards, sometimes it's your fault, not their fault. Maybe you haven't communicated the expectations uh, well. Maybe something's going on with them in their lives that is just a temporary um you know, a challenge that they have to work through. Maybe they, they have to meet another need in their lives before they can focus on, on that mission. And that's, we all have those times. So that's important to, to understand and acknowledge. And finally, if you, you know, if you've communicated it well, if, if you've set the standards, uh, if you make sure that, you know, each of your members are, you know, are you doing okay? Um, if they really aren't that person that, um, with in with our business, low integrity or um, mediocre or below average or just not getting it, and you've worked with them because people are your most important resource, and we don't have extra, we don't have a whole lot of extra people, <laughs> but it's worth maybe having some people leave yeah. Um, if they're detrimental to the team. And again, you've, you've communicated, you've worked with them. Um, it's, it's sometimes it's better to be one short on the bench uh, to have uh, a full team and not a corrosive element within that team. That's powerful. We talked a little bit about that last episode in terms of leaders having the courage to make difficult decisions and conversations. Mm -hmm. If they've expended all the previous <laughs> options, right, that you discussed, then letting that person go in whatever capacity, knowing that it will help the current team, but quite often often help that individual as well. I think sometimes mm. we forget that part that if they don't fit in our organization for whatever reason that might be, there are other organizations out there that they probably are a good fit for. And not only will that be helping our team, but it's also helping another team and ultimately the individual as well. And so shifting our perspective of le as leaders on sometimes what, what's happening in the midst of perhaps letting someone go. You know, Maybe the they can go off and find their passion in that other profession and, and other way. So I think that's a great point, Amber. I posted an article last week um, on the former CEO of Panera Bread that's sort of talking about that topic. I'll send it to you. I think you'll find it interesting. It's a quick read. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest challenges I hear from leaders across the country is in all different industries, right, ranging from everywhere from the trucking organization, which my husband is in, to uh, athletics, to education, to I'm sure the military. I'm not totally sure on, on that space, but in in uh, industry. But the challenge of hiring good people who want to deliver mm -hmm. quality services and products what strategic advice would you offer those maybe struggling with that similar challenge of hiring good people? It's probably our number one challenge that we have, right? As, is, um, is getting the right people on the team. And it is, it is really hard. Uh, people are, you know, are scarce with the resources, whatever that organization is that you have. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is everyone can be trained and everyone can be developed as long as they have that drive within them to learn and grow. So in, 
I think the people that we're all after are those who um, are adaptable, who are ready to listen to the organization's uh, goals and vision and and then want to be part of that team. So how do you um, how do you get them on board? Well, you've you've they've got to understand what it is you're all about and then who it is that your organization is, both a leader and their peers and subordinates. Because people want to join high performance teams. Nobody wants to, you know, join a low performance team. They yeah. and they they might join one that's down here and going up in that direction. But if they see an organization that's heading down, that's when you'll find people bailing out and and leaving mm. before the you know the aircraft hits the hits the ground. And so finding the people with the kind of drive mm -hmm. that you're interested in is is imperative. Now how you find them and uh, you know obviously that's a that's a big challenge but it it could you know there's a lot of different ways but having people invite friends of like mind to this organization is is a, is a positive thing they usually people's compensation is is tied to the overall performance they want to surround themselves with good people and friendly people so that their work environment is fun and rewarding yeah, that's powerful. I love that. Looking for those strategic qualities, right? And making sure that that's the culture that you have created in your organization too, that people do want to be a part of. And then we'll, we'll leave the, how do we find them to our HR people, right? So, so my, one of our performance coaches, Todd Manners, he's got a Titan talent partners. He's out there in HR recruiting and sourcing firm. So if you're looking for really good people, go call him because that's not our area of expertise, <laughs> right? Barb? We right, know what we're right. looking for, but finding those people, we'll leave to Todd and, and Titan. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's sort of shift gears just a little bit. Um, you know, you've experienced significant success a across a wide array of industries. And from aerospace and defense, transportation, executive leadership, you know, these all tend to be very male-dominated industries. Um, what has been your experience as, as a woman in these sectors? So one of the, the things that I've, I've never focused on necessarily is myself as a woman. I love that. Uh, I, you know, it's just, it's not, um, it's not something that uniquely qualifies me or disqualifies me for any position. But, you know, there's these leadership attributes and, and we have some stereotypically male and female leadership attributes. And first I, I use the word stereotypes stereotypical, because I think we understand what that means, but it never applies to an individual, right. right? So I can't look at you and think that I can understand you because I see your skin color, your ethnicity, or your gender, you know, whatever it is. Um, we, we're all, we all somewhat think in stereotypes, but it's so important that when you interact with a real human being, all those things go away. So if you think about leadership attributes, feminine and masculine, you know, quote unquote, feminine and masculine attributes, um, 
both of those kinds of attributes are critically important to be successful. Oh, and um, I don't, I don't believe that masculine attributes make me any less of a woman. Mm-hmm. I don't think feminine attributes make me a less powerful leader. Yeah. And perhaps it is the leader that's able to um, exploit all of those different attributes for the good that is perhaps the better leader. So let's, you know, we'll talk about a couple masculine attributes, and that's decisiveness, that's willing to have conflict, um, you know, and it goes on and on. Decisiveness is important for us all. Um, conflict is, is um, uh, you can't get away from conflict, but how you have it and how you may use it constructively um, is important. Mm-hmm. So I do believe part of my leadership success is that I have been open to leading with using some of the feminine attributes of empathy and caring and vulnerability and humility and some of the things that we, some would maybe even characterize as weaknesses, but they're not. Flesh that out for us a little bit. Help us understand that more. So if you think about an organization you want to lead, and let's just, let's talk about empathy. Okay. That's about connecting on a human level. And, and it bleeds into caring. So if I am your leader and I care about you and what you're going through and try to understand you, take the time to understand you, um, perhaps you and I form a deeper bond. Mm -hmm. And perhaps if I ask you to do something really hard, you, you might say, okay, because you know that, that I do care. And I'm not going to ask you to do something one that's only going to help me. It's, it's not about me. It's about the organization. And two, I won't ask you to do something hard that I wouldn't do myself. And in, in the military, you know, there's a pact that, that I'll take care of your family. Um, whether you don't come home at all or whether you're just gone for a while. And so it's that pact, but, but I think to communicate that, um, is that caring attribute. And so if you blend those feminine and masculine attributes for your own personality and you're true to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are a authentic leader. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. Right. They um, know. <laughs> they know. They know. Because it's intuitive and everybody has intuition and women sometimes have a little more intuition. Maybe they're, they're kind of feeling they can sense your belief structure. If, if you say something that seems to be different than what you're exuding. Um, and now I know my heart is communicating 10 feet from my chest. So isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is awesome. So people get it. If they're around me, they get it. Yep. Uh, so I think that's all part of it. 
So what wisdom? So this is powerful, right? And and I and I I always struggle to ask the feminine question because I this isn't like I'm the same as you. I, I people ask me, well, what's it like to be a woman in football? Um, I don't know if I focus on being the woman in football or, you know, my guys, right? And my role as it relates to them and our, and our mission. But I do think that these are conversations that influential women need to be having with others so that we can all sort of get beyond just that dialogue of what does it mean to be a woman, but more so how do we understand it and, and leverage it in ways that are productive, right, for everybody involved. And so what wisdom might you share with our, our women out there that, who are navigating their careers and perhaps particularly as it relates to their interactions with men? Um. That's a good question. I, I think that um, the the principles are the same, whether you're really talking to a man or a woman. But mm-hmm. but there are unique aspects of being a woman. And um, I think that uh, the, the being true to yourself uh, comes out more for uh, those who uh, emote their Emotions, emote their emotions. Uh, you know, I so I think to not be afraid of being who you are while blending the masculine attributes of um, purpose, clarity of mission. I, I'm not sure that's a, a masculine as- attributes, but not being afraid of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, aggressiveness, another uh, attribute, go in being being true to yourself and then, you know, being vulnerable, uh, that's a feminine attribute, um, helps people connect to the leader. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess one of my uh, words of wisdom would be don't overdo any of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, any of those attributes that are over the top is not positive. Uh, And being, quite frankly, being too committed uh, in in, um, emotional, being too uh, aggressive, being too willing to embrace conflict. I mean, you have to have some conflict, but don't try to pull out conflict at every opportunity. So don't go over the top on any of them. And and I think another thing is work to de- develop yourself. Have yeah. confidence right in yourself. That's one of those negative female attributes um to maybe not have as much confidence in yourself or exude confidence, or um, feel like that's okay, and it is okay. Go ahead, you wanted to No, I was just going to say, why do you think that is, that women tend to struggle with that confidence piece? You know, it's obviously, it's a stereotype to say that, um, you know, there's a, there's an application, and and for a job, let's just say, and, and women, you know, it has like 10 things and women go, you know, I don't have two of those, you know, I'm not qualified. These are stereotypes. Men going, I have two of the 10, I'm qualified. <laughs> exactly. You know? 
<laughs> and and I think you can overdo, you know, both sides of it. But each step, each growth time takes that step over a gap in air, let's just say. You know, you're going to step from this side of the mountain to the other side of the mountain. And you're as you step across, there's a little air underneath you. And it's, it's possible you could fall down there. But you have to be willing to just take that step and say, I will succeed. Maybe I don't have two of these 10 things. I can develop those. Um, I'm so strong in five of them. And in the other three, I'm, you know, and, and those, are, those are things that make me highly qualified for this position. So I think it's, I think it's self-confidence and the ability to take a risk. Yeah. A prudent risk. Good. So, and then, and then, so we just talked a little bit about what it's like interacting with men perhaps, but how about the, the female interaction too? Sometimes I find that's even harder to, to try to build rapport with, with other women. And there's, I think this is a stereotype as well, um, in terms of women not supporting other women and, and that type of thing. But what's your thoughts on just women working together and, and the dynamic at play there? Yeah. And you know, those, we all know those stereotypes. Um, I think in, in some of our professions, and let's say working with a football team or being in the military, it you could say that they're male-dominated or more men are in these certain professions, uh, engineering. I mean, you can go through a lot of different professions, and there happens to be more men represented in those than others. And so as you go, sometimes you're that only woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you... Th- just let's face it, you get attention when you're the only African-American. Mm-hmm. You're the only woman. You're the only something that, that stands out, good or bad. Now, so the, the bad is you're very vis- visible, and so failures are more obvious. Um, successes are more obvious. Mm-hmm. And so those who excel, um, it could be that, you know, being that, that just those few women in that profession, you know, you kind of feel special succeeding in that male-dominated profession. And so when other women come in, you go, you know, I kind of like being the only one or I like being the, you know, and and that's a selfish feeling. Yeah. That's not good for the team. And so what's great for the team is to reach down or across and pull up your teammate yeah. Um, so that you bring someone on and you go, okay, how can we be better together? And joining forces um, with other women is just, I think, powerful because of those stereotypical feminine attributes that are so important for a high-performance team. 
So um, reach out. Yeah, you know? that's that's powerful. That's good. And I think, you know, too, and everything that we're talking about as it relates, you know, to this dialogue is we give power to what we focus on literally from a cognitive standpoint, what we think about grows, you know, that heart energy we talked about grows if that's what we're thinking about, or our brain matter actually changes based on what we think about. And so if we're focused on like to your earlier conversation of why well, don't necessarily focus on being a woman as in a negative context, right, of that being bad, because that grows, and that starts to, to dominate our thoughts, we need to be focusing on the things that are going to make the organization better, right? And directing our attention and our energy to the strategic objectives, to finding the best people to bring along to further that mission, regardless of, of their background. And, you know, again, link arms with people that are really well qualified and really committed to the standard of excellence. And then everybody wins, you know, individually and collectively. Everybody wins. Absolutely. Barbara, are there any, what, how can we, how can our listeners find you, find more about you, follow any of your work? Is there any, um, any references that you'd like to share with us or any recommendations on things that you would encourage our listeners to listen to or read or look up? Well, you know, I think continual development is, is so critical and that depends, you know, what profession you are and what your focus is and, and, and narrowing your growth strategy for at least this time, uh, you know, is, is important. I, I wish I had it here, but being a, I'm a continual learner. And I think that's, that's powerful to adapt to changing environments and, uh, and, and a new professions, new responsibilities. I'm, I'm reading this book now. It's it's that thick. You're gonna say it's a normal size, big book, um, and it's a whole new industry that I've never been involved with before. And so this is the the 101 in this industry, and uh, it's god awful. You know, it's uh, I am going down to the the bottom basics. To, to grow. And so I think it's, it's important whether you're down here and starting up here or you're here and going there to, to grow. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I find um, with myself, and I think it's for most of us, is we are so busy doing, mm-hmm. we can't think. Excellent. And... Um, and I'm I'm just way guilty on this because I I have a to do list and it's about six pages and and <laughs> you know I never get past the first quarter of the first page and I don't know why I have the other six pages but but you know you've got to take time out periodically mm-hmm. and really do some self reflection um, and uh, so whatever your profession is one just take the time. And then devote yourself to an aspect that will help you grow. Um, and there are courses out there. There are people out there um, that it's just, you know, right at the t- at your fingertips is mm-hmm. so much now. You It's overwhelming, but you can't let yourself be overwhelmed so that you don't start. 
or take an effort. Well, and you know, on that point, we have a a mutual friend and colleague, Celia Slater, and she runs an awesome event called Camp Elevate out at the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And we're all going to be out there uh, May 29th to 31st of this year. And so I know it's coming up quickly. But if you want something again to get on your calendar right now as that sort of reset button, like you just mentioned, Barbara, I I think Camp Elevate is going to be a powerful experience. It's, um, you know, a three to four day event out in the mountains of Colorado, really just challenging people to elevate, elevate their thinking, elevate their understanding of how to function as an individual, but also how to lead. You know, we're going to have a diverse group of attendees there, I think, from a lot of different backgrounds. And so again, if you're looking for some somewhere to sort of hit that reset button and really take your game to the next level as an individual, as a leader, check out Camp Elevate. Again, that'll be May 29th through 31st. Um, you can go to truenorthsports.net and it'll the, all of the information on the camp is there. But again, truenorthsports.net. Try to say that 10 times fast. Um, or just shoot me an email, amber at selkingperformance.com and, and ask me more information on that. But again, I'll be out there. There. Uh, Barbara, you'll, you'll be there, right? For a portion? I, I am. Um, okay. I'm leading a hike. So <gasps> per- we're going oh, to, You're the uh, be leading the hike. Excellent. go through Garden of the Gods and, and, uh. Uh, and maybe I have another speaking role. But I tell you what, Celia Slater is a powerful leader. Mm-hmm. She has a way of, of um, teaching and, and bringing together community to solve the problems uh, and to address the issues of today's generation, and and that's that's a focus of this of this camp is, um, you know, I'm older than you, you're older than than others. Each of us needs to understand those who are going to be young in our in our company and our sports teams, and how do you really connect with them, and how do you connect with your deeper self? And I tell you, Celia is is fantastic. And anybody who takes the time to go uh, to her program is going to find that they've, that they've taken that time out to grow themselves and they will be better for it when they leave. That's awesome. Well, we hope to see you there. You'll see Barb and I out there. So come join us. Come join us. All right, Barb, every um, episode we end, you know, we talk a lot about how as leaders, it's important to first lead in before we can really lead out, which is a great parlay off of the discussion just now about taking the time out to grow as a leader. And so what to you, what does the phrase lead to win mean in relation to you leading yourself? I think ultimately to win, you know, what is that for you? What in, for you have to define that for yourself. And it's, it's not about, for me personally, it's not about money. It's not about prestige. I'll tell you fundamentally, it's to be self-satisfied for me. Mm-hmm. Winning for me is to feel good about myself. Yeah. And you've got to ask yourself those deeper questions to get to that. And because other things are fleeting, um, I'm an athlete. I I'm hiking, you know, at the end of the month, but my health could be taken from me. Mm -hmm. What, what is it that brings you from the inside out? Um, that's, that's to win for me. And, and so, sorry, go ahead. please. No, no, go ahead. Please. Finish. I was going to ask the next I, question. 
I, I just think that defining for yourself what winning is mm. and what provides you that deepest sense of purpose, I think purpose is in, uh, critical, and fulfillment is, is, can, is vital. That's really powerful. And then let's take that now lead out. So what does the phrase lead to win mean to you in relation to leading others? So then leading out, and I think you have to do, you have to lead in before you can, can lead out. And um, so then I think it's, it's leading with um, being an authentic leader, probably most importantly, as you, as you lead from the inside out, those attributes that you have that are deep core attributes are going to be visible, whether they're pretty attributes or not. Um, but then as you go out, surround yourself with the best teammates that you can, um, be a good teammate, be a good leader, um, understand and communicate what that, what that organization's purpose is, and then care about the team, uh, and the, and those many attributes that we talked about. So you can be a, a great successful leader in those ways because I think maybe few people take the time to really reflect for themselves and then take the time to articulate what kind of leader they want to be and how can they be better and go out and do it, get better. That's awesome. Wow, Barb, this has been a powerful, powerful hour, almost hour here. Thank you so much for, for your time and your insights and just sharing the, the mass amount of experiences that you have with us. Well, I really appreciate it. And uh, Amber, you've got, you've got an incredible background and experiences and way of communicating uh, with people. And so you are a great leader. And I look forward to seeing you in Colorado Springs and learning from you. Well, likewise, Barb, it's going, it's going to be an incredible weekend together, and, and I really look forward mm -hmm. to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us again today on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This has been your host, Dr. Amber Selking, with our amazing guest, Barbara Falkenberry. Um, again, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to, to join you and your team, your organization, on your quest toward excellence. And so you can reach me directly at amber at selkingperformance.com. But I'd also encourage you to check out our website where we have a, a lot of materials on there that can really convey what it is we do do and our vibe and our commitment to excellence so you can really feel comfortable about the partnership that we can hopefully develop and that's just www.selkingperformance.com so again thank you for being with us and from the locker room to the boardroom i want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win brightview medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building, providing a one-stop patient-centered environment which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brideview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. 
If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast.